0: Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with, M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome everyone to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today we have with us Spencer Hillegosz the CEO and co-founder of Madison Investing, a real estate investment firm specializing in real estate syndications. As a passive investor and active investor, investor, he understands the unique challenges that busy professionals face when starting out on their REI journey. Spencer's mission is to arm investors with the know-how they need to make confident investment decisions tailored to their individual goals. Today, we spoke about playing financial offense versus defense. Also, wealth preservation and planning your legacy. And lastly, the intersection of personal and professional development. So let's give Spencer a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. Hey, so Spencer, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Uh, Donald, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for making the time and uh, certainly for waking up early on my account on the other side of the world. So yeah, great to connect with you.
0: Uh, likewise, likewise. So yeah, Spencer, before we um, jump in, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey up to, up to this point? Yeah, happy to.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. So it's, it's kind of a quirky journey, Donald. I mean, I, So I'm sitting here in the Bay Area, California, as you and I were just chatting about a moment ago before we hit record. I live in Alameda, and that, that name drop doesn't really resonate with most people outside the area, but it's right across from your former home of Oakland and uh, across from San Francisco. Uh, I lead Madison Investing. It's a private investing group. We work with hundreds of investors in things like multifamily apartments, self storage facilities, really niche other stuff within alternative assets like ATMs, crypto mining and stuff. I will always think when I wake up every day, pinch myself and and think like, how did I get here to be so lucky to do this? You know, I look back at my prior career. uh, I was in a technology company career doing leadership gigs, operational leadership, leading teams of hundreds of people, uh, you know, for 13 years in Silicon Valley. and, And that was at finance tech companies. And so I was thrust into that world at the ripe old age of around 24, 25. And then I was way in over my skis at around 26 when I got given too much responsibility, probably too young. And I was grateful for that now. That was pretty darn painful at the time though, Donald. I mean, you, you learn the toughest lessons by go, just going through it. And I'm grateful for all that journey now. But uh, even earlier, I used to be embarrassed to say that I grew up in a real estate household. Uh, my, my dad was a broker. 30 years. And in the Bay Area, it's not cool to tell your friends that you work at dad's real estate business, of course. So that, that scared me, run screaming into tech companies. Um, and uh, but what did I learn from that thing with my dad? Uh, cleaning out old fridges for rentals, you know, working open houses that I didn't want to work as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I watched his business eventually implode uh, because we had a really tough time. For a decade, and I won't go TMI here on people, but it's an important lesson that informs us today, and how I try to lead our family along with my spouse and co-founder Jennifer. Uh, it's a separate web, uh, podcast altogether about working with your spouse to build a company. Um, we lost a lot of folks in our family. This is years ago. Uh, as a, uh, one of them, the first of which was my younger brother, died of you know cancer when he was a teenager, and. Uh, uh-huh. pe- Yeah, it was was quite a while ago, but the parents got divorced, as is common, and then we lost a set of grandparents shortly after. Lost another person, so that was the dark decade, as we kind of call it in our family. And that matters here, because that moment showed me what can happen when your whole financial picture as a family is tied to one active income. And you know, as a person who's doing this now and in a very stable spot, that's so hard fought. We have. Dozens of income streams coming from different diversified sources in the investments we've made in our business. And that was very different than making great money with strong, like lucrative income and a tech career from myself and then Jennifer with her own career years ago. And frankly, this is less risky, in my opinion, than when we had those careers where we are now and so i left the mm-hmm. I left that career behind five months before covid in 2019 after building this business on nights and weekends for years and uh, I'm so pleased it was kind of bad timing in terms of the, the coronavirus but I would just say that we felt more ready for it than we ever thought possible so now I'm just to mm-hmm. try to be a great dad of two young boys uh, a good husband and most, most importantly too I think on the business side is serving our investors and putting our own money to work, putting our own skin in the game and helping other people get to the same place that we got to ourselves. So
0: that Absolutely. was a mouthful.
1: That was probably probably more than you wanted, but just want to give you some, some
0: color behind that. No, that's great. That's great. That's awesome. So Spencer, so let's talk a little bit. So to your point about multiple streams of income. So playing financial offense versus defense, can you shed a little little light on that?
1: Yeah, happy to. Yeah, so I think about Jennifer and I when we were setting our initial goals. We were still in our W two careers. We, you know, we're dumping money in a traditional way into retirement, four hundred one k's. You know, and we were so proud to celebrate maxing those things out every year. Donald, like it was, you know, a, a badge of pride, and it still is. I mean, when people are saving forward, that's way, a heck of a lot better than just going and buying toys with it. But in hindsight, we weren't playing financial offense the way we define it now with that language in our own family. All that simply means is, man, we're gonna pay ourselves first. And I have to borrow some of that language from you know, the books out there that they're polarizing, but they're informative to me and many others, which hmm. is like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by Robert Kiyosaki. You know, yeah. He uses that one example that sticks with me so well. He talked about the buckets, and the pipeline and the buckets being the the analogy of if you're going to go work a day job you trade your time for money or you're a broker just like my dad but if you're if you're getting a salary you know you're going in and you're trading bucket by bucket your time for money and if you stop working or god forbid something happen to myself or or another person that that flow stops whereas the pipeline example like kiyosaki would share is about developing these many income streams. And that's what we think of as financial offense is just saying, we always want to be adding more, like adding more income streams. And they don't have to be massive in in and of itself, but -hmm. they do have to add up to this singular number that we set together. Jennifer and I sat down years ago when I was at the most challenging point of my W2 career, I was working 80 to 100 hours a week in tech startups, And I was just pushing things hard, waiting for that big exit like Google or Uber or Facebook, thinking early stage equity was going to just, you know, absolve our financial sins, right? And I I look back at that time and I think, man, that was pretty painful, but it it brought us to this realization of, wow, if we take that same money in that same time that we've been doing, like dumping into that 401k and that time that we were using to just overcommit to our day jobs, what if we capped the the effort did a good enough job of the day jobs and start investing our own money in these things that paid us cash flow and i just didn't understand you know i didn't understand this notion of cash flow i didn't understand i could take fifty thousand dollars which is not jump change you know and put that into something that pays back monthly income or quarterly income for our life now and then do that dozens of times over the course of years and so that monthly number or I'm sorry, the, uh, the monthly cash number was the clear, simple goal that Jennifer and I got to. And it's not easy to get to, man. Um, she, she and I sat down two weekends in a row years ago and said, there, you know, there were tears, there was reconciliation, there was laughter, there was all these things, multiple cycles over in a single planning session. We had the kids go stay at someone else's home and we said, what is that dollar amount to cover our life expenses every month? From passive sources, from active sources, that's our guiding light, and that's where we think about that financial offense is that moment when we set that goal and we started working toward it showed us the path toward financial offense and, and really just creates a moat around your family in a way and in our family now that I didn't think was possible previously. I thought getting promotions, you know like climbing mm, the ladder yeah. was the path yeah. um, and that certainly changed because uh, I saw that if a, if a boss or a manager didn't like the way I spoke to them, or if a project didn't go well, well, gee, I mean that was, you know, that was game over for any kind of income coming. So that's what we mean by financial offense. And now you know, one last comment I'll say is, you and I very much both appreciate like taxation is part of the financial defense equation, and yes. I we would get bonuses, you know, I would receive bonuses, uh, as many people do, or like a quarterly or annual bonus based on performance in my job. Mm. And that was taxed at, you know, one of the most aggressive rates. And so yeah. that means half, roughly half is going away. And so defense comes down to, are you really keeping what you're making? And are you also I'm not a big believer in trying to scrimp and save everything down to the cup of coffee I have to sacrifice. I am not giving up my coffee, Donald. Um, yeah. But, but we, you know, we, we still drive used cars and that's just because we have what we need, even though we could, uh, you know we test drove a Porsche the other day, but that was mostly for fun. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we, we still believe in some degree of responsible spending because we want as much money to invest as, as humanly possible.
0: Mm-hmm. while still having some fun yeah. so
1: yeah long-winded but uh um, i wanted to make sure i included that, that detail
0: yeah awful. Yeah, excellent excellent good stuff so to that point about so you you discuss get it you and your wife discussing what's that number you need to meet all of your monthly expenses and and etc so to that point of getting there we all need to you know, it's just like, oh, I'm going to get there, right? We have to increase our skills, increase our knowledge. So to that end, let's talk about a little bit about the intersection of personal and professional development and sharpening your skills to get get more passive income in, right? Because you can decide you want to do it, but I know when I made that decision, I didn't have the skills I needed to get there, right? So I did a lot of reading, do a lot of networking, go to a lot of conferences. Let's talk a little bit about sharpening your skills and personal and professional development.
1: Oh, I love this topic. I appreciate you going there. I mean, this is like a, I probably like it too much Donald where I, I will gush it at someone that wants to nerd out on it with me. And, and then they're like, man, I don't think I want to go make all those habits in my life. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I, I overdid it on them. Um, there, there's a framework that I, I implemented and I borrowed this from people way smarter than me. I mean, a former mentor of mine in the W-2 world and we worked at the last company in my W-2 career together. He, he would use this term, which I think he borrowed from military jargon, if I'm correct. And it was limb facts, limiting factors. And I found that fascinating because it helped the framework come together that we use now when it comes to bridging that personal and professional development to, to walk through this whole journey we're talking about here to achieve financial freedom, to live the life you want, et cetera. And that is the three limiting factors for me, for you, for everyone else in the world are are these. Your time is number one, your capital, you know, and then you have your expertise. And Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a catch-all for that comment you made a moment ago, which I completely agree with, which is that you don't have, out of the box, I didn't have what I needed to, to the the skills, knowledge, et cetera. To do this and so time, and just briefly on the capital comment, that's a flexible use of that type of term. And what I mean by that, real quick, is that that's not just money, that is your health,
0: hmm.
1: that is your relationships, and then of course it's money. But those things are all part of your starting point. So the first thing I did was I did a limb fact audit. Well, <laughs> how am I living factors? I was working full time. I had to go in and lead a team of people for number one on time. What, what did I have available to do all this? You know, oh. apparently most wealth is built not in people's day jobs. Like it's built outside the day job. Yeah. And I am not a person who is effective at night. I admire greatly that you can travel globally. You know, you, you have a, a, an experience and a skill to do that in ways that I haven't developed yet. So I needed to find Working time, and this is the first showstopper for. We even had a friend, very good friends, last week that were asking us, "How do we get to the point you guys are at?" And I said, "Go find yourself some hours in the week." I found ten hours, and those hours were mostly four a.m. to six a.m., mm-hmm. and that was every day of the darn week. And I, uh, I did that for two years, solid, like without fail. And people thought he was crazy, and uh, I probably was. But I gave up my hobbies. I, you know, I'm not a big drinker anyways. And I found that time and I made that a priority. But I still had to go show up at my day job and inspire and lead people without looking like a zombie because they were relying on me. The, the, mm-hmm. My team was, was relying on me. So that's kind of my diatribe on the, the time comment is everyone thinks they don't have the time. But I got to say, whether you are you know Oprah or you're a high ranking politician or you are any kind of business executive, everyone's got 24 hours in a day yeah. and so i i had to pull that excuse from myself and that's what i found on the capital younger folks typically have more time than they realize i certainly did in hindsight mm-hmm. before i had kids um and i had a built-in relation set of relationships in my day job but i had to go lean on those i had to go invest more in those and so i i networked like a madman similar to what you said I mean, that's the playbook right everyone mm-hmm. out, i like I networked like crazy, nonstop. I was going to meetups, I was going to conferences. Um, and I still, I mean, I went from speaking, I went from uh, attending to now speaking. I spoke at a conference the other, the other day for multifamily, the other side of the country, it feels like surreal, but it didn't start that way. You know, yeah. I had to go and network like a madman. So step one of three, audit your time. Step two, audit your capital. that means your, your money, your relationships, your health, I, I doubled down on my running habit. Doesn't, people mm. don't have to go out go outside and act like runners. I'm not a good one. I, I trot along at a slow speed, but I'll just <laughs> say it's enough to fulfill my health meter yeah. to keep to stay energetic. You know. And last but not least is expertise. I read 24 books and listened to 400 more than 400 podcasts in an 18 month period, Donald. It was uh, obsessive, to say the mm. least. And that's more than you need to do. It's more than anyone needs to do. Uh, It 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 crosses a point, of course, where it becomes less productive and more of a procrastination play.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: So I eventually had to say, let's go take action, man. I could have read six books probably, Um, but I I also use coaching programs. And I think that that's a key aspect for mentioning to folks is that Mm -hmm. there's more than, more than ever, some of which are, are wonderful, some of which I would steer away from if they're not actually delivering on their promises and they cost too much money for those hollow promises. But I've used four of them. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's a worthwhile investment. So that, that three pillars of LIMFAC uh, audit, as nerdy as that term is, it's so corporate when I say it out loud. I can't kind of slap the corporate out of myself sometimes. Um, that's really been helpful for me.
0: Yeah. And likewise, I'd say probably of those coaching programs and reading have been probably the bulk of my self-development, which has helped the most. I mean, I do a lot of reading, probably three books a month. But like you said, you can't just read. You have to incorporate action into that as well. So I think that's where if you find some good coaching programs, because there are some out there just looking to, you know, exploit you. But if you find some good ones, do your research, find some good ones, some that impel you to take action. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, the results are unmeasurable. I mean, even some I've taken in the past three years have gotten to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have accomplished the things I've done up in the past three years without coaching programs. So I know those are extreme. I know a lot of people frown on coaching programs. But like you said, you look at athletes, you look at good actors, they all have great coaches, even some yeah, of the best athletes. So yeah, so it's all coaching is really needed in all aspects, whether it's, like you said, wealth building, taxes, entrepreneurship. Coaches have to play a a great part of that. They have to. Oh, that's
1: amazing. You've gotten all that value from them, too. Like, I love hearing those kinds of stories, Donald. And, like, oftentimes, I mean, just in the last week, I'll get three questions per week from people saying, Spencer, will you coach me? And I'm like, man, I closed that chapter of my life, but here's a select few coaching programs that I absolutely endorse. Hmm. So go check them out. And the unfortunate truth is, as you mentioned a moment ago, Donald is like folks will sometimes take a look and say, "Ah, that seems like a scam," or they might say, ah, "It doesn't seem like it's going to actually get done when I need to get it done." And I was like, "Well, unfortunately, most of the time, people seem to expect the coach to do all the work." Yeah, you know, and that's the part where you figure out who is ready for this or not, and it's a commitment and a conviction. And uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I kid you not, and the reason I keep coming back to this example, but I wanna drill into it a bit. We've, we just had this explosion of maybe three to four sets of very good friends of ours, our personal friends. And we've been on this journey for years of this wealth building and this business building, labor of love, all encompassing, right, as you know. And they're just now getting interested in asking us, how did you guys do that? And that's awesome. Like I'm, I'm grateful that they're asking. There's only one of the group so mm-hmm. far who is actually following up. And and you could tell they're the one exception who is saying, give me another book. Give me another podcast. I devoured that already. I am doing XYZ activity to move toward my goals. The other ones, you know, they'll bring it up at a barbecue, literally, and, and, and say, well, yeah. Okay, thanks, Spencer. But I did the last one. It didn't help that much. Be like, cool, what was your favorite chapter? And I just called him out for not reading it uh-huh. <laughs> in, in, a, in, a, in a loving way, you know, because in uh-huh. the end, I want them to succeed, too. But I'm only going to field that conversation so many times before I start giving them a little bit of trash talk
0: back. Uh, it yeah.
1: comes down to action.
0: Yeah. And like you say, I mean, to your point, do the work, right? You have to do the work also. Nobody's going to, nobody's coming to save you. So you have to do the work. And it's not That's easy, right. like you That's said. Right. I mean, you have to be committed. Like I, I like you mentioned that you you made the decision to wake up four four a.m. to six a.m. Those were your times daily. So I mean, those are the hard decisions you have to make to get where you want to go. So I mean, like you said, we all have the same twenty four hours. You're going to be how are you going to spend them? Are you going to watch Netflix? Are you going to go drink with your buddies? What do you want to do? I mean, you can make excuses or you can do the work. Right? Completely.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- one thing that I uh... In hindsight, you know, it's easy to say these things for me now and be like, oh, I just did these at the time. It was brutal. I mean, and I don't mean that in a, you know, need to sound like it's a tiny violin. Like I'm complaining. It just, it was hard. And, and, and that's the, that is the thing. It wasn't complex. It wasn't something other people can't figure out because I'm not a rocket scientist. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, but I was committed, it's about the consistency. So it's not complex, but consistency is required. And this this one book, I would just recommend if folks are struggling with where to find the time, I have gone through it three times and I'm probably gonna go back again. I love essentialism. I don't know if you've read that one or listened to that one. I like audio books as well. Um, Essentialism by Greg McCune. And I bring that up because saying no is the achilles heel for the lion's share of people out there they want to do right in their mind by their friend by their family member you know by their spouse by by the colleagues in particular oh my goodness talk about time time opportunity when that person says hey spencer you want to grab a coffee you want to go have a beer after work you want to go to our barbecue on the weekend?" That's the stuff, that's that moment. People don't realize it, but compound that moment times a hundred over five years, they are looking at hundreds of hours of time that they could have used just during that window of time to gracefully say no and let their friend down easy. Cause it's not about saying, don't go be, don't go be antisocial. That's not the message. The message is you will need to stay focused for a limited period of time. Now it's fun with, with friends. For two years, it was living like a monk. It was, yeah. it, it was giving up the material stuff. I didn't touch video games. I know that that's the easiest give up ever for most people, but I'll say, I didn't touch my guitar. You know, I'm, I'm mm. like a 20 year guitarist. It's a big hobby for me. And everyone fills their cup in yeah. different ways. And uh, that was a tough give up, but I did it because am I gonna be the guy or is anyone else out there listening and you're on the fence about commitment here, Is this gonna be the moment where you say, I don't wanna give up that coffee, that beer, that lunch, that hobby, in order to be present for my family and my kids and my whatever is your main thing in life right now. Are you willing to give those up for this thing, right? Um, That's the the tough question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and only you can answer it, right?
1: That's right, you can't outsource it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. All right, so Spencer, let's talk a little bit of now. So we talk a, a lot about, and we hear a lot about, you know, how to get there, what steps to take, but let's talk a little bit about once we reach where we wanna go. So wealth preservation and legacy, let's talk about what do we do when we get there?
1: Yeah, and I know we, you and I were just chatting about this beforehand for fun more so I, I, I think, it's a fascinating question that has been coming up a increasing number recently in our investor conversations, right? So I, I mentioned uh, as we were getting to know each other. Uh, so I lead Madison investing and, you know, we, we help fellow investors. We ourselves are limited partners and, you know, many, many different syndication deals and multifamily and storage funds and all this stuff. And the challenge that is coming up more for all of the right reasons, Donald is folks are sitting there going, well, I achieved financial freedom or I achieved financial independence. Like they, they've slayed the dragon, if you will, right? They, they beat the beast, They whatever metaphor that makes it sound even cooler, they did it. But the challenge once they get there is all the skills typically, whether it's an entrepreneur building a business or it's a full-time employee investing on nights and weekends, trying to build a side hustle, investing aggressively, putting that work in, those skills typically don't translate to wealth management of their own portfolio, or even frankly, just going out and like figuring out how to structure things in their life for fulfillment too. Like, are they coming here? Like uh, here's the most common question or uh, objective, I'll say, common, most common goal that I'll hear because I'm very much into the real estate world uh, with apartments and self-storage and the real estate investing community they're easy to pick on because they love talking about what's your goal, real estate developer. What's your goal, real estate investor. Oh, I want to go for 10,000 units, or I want to go for $2 billion in AUM assets under management. And, and, And that is the goal. And so you challenge them by saying, okay, but why? And they might say, well, for my family and I wanna be a great dad. I mean, that has been my reason for for quite a while, but it's not the full answer. The full answer is also gonna be right, but what is your purpose beyond that? Let's assume you're gonna have very open days. You're gonna have all this time. You're gonna have this expertise. You're gonna have a very substantial wealth portfolio, hopefully Mm -hmm. diversified. And it's your job to ensure the people around you, if your goal is often gonna be legacy for most of these folks, like taking Mm -hmm. care of the people you love or, also like just just as admirable i would say is serving others you know and 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 figuring out how to go and give charitably either with your wealth that you have worked so hard to build or your time because you're going to have hopefully some more of it and so that's that's really the big question and it comes down without sounding too you know philosophical here I'll, i'll just say that there is no i don't claim to have the answer to that question but here's the the example i'll share personally so it isn't seeming too mysterious for folks is like what is enough for me now that jennifer and i got to this point where we feel like we are financially free after hard-fought careers and building a business for years on nights and weekends etc we've realized it's like of course i want to be a present great dad when my kids are young and from here on out mm-hmm. and i also have to show up as a great husband as often as i can i'm certainly not showing up every moment that way i'm not perfect right. like any other person but that's just the table stakes beyond that now. it's I've really come to realize sitting on a beach is not going to scratch that itch for me. I get bored mm. and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to help other people, man. I, I really do. and that doesn't mean I'm going to start a paid coaching program. Uh, but it might mean like we're just literally coaching some of our good friends because it's that same set of friends we mentioned earlier who are serious about this path, in addition to. Think we're going to launch a charitable foundation, and we've already started laying the foundation for that. You know, and so that's not for everybody, and no judgments if people don't want that. If you want to sit on a beach, if any person wants to sit on a beach, more power to you. Uh, But I think looking past the financial freedom and wrestling with how do you go and solve that problem first before you get into the structure of the drier stuff, the legal stuff, like you know when you work with a tax attorney. You know, you work with a a law firm to go structure trusts and wills and all those things that go into preserving your actual wealth. I would challenge people to go and define what fills their cup first, because it might involve things that still use some of their acumen, like building a foundation, like building a chair or Hmm. or other efforts.
0: Yeah, and all all, yeah, you start you hear about oh structuring taxes and. He's like, oh, I'd rather watch, some people might say, I'd rather watch paint dry, right? But yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are the important <laughs> things when it comes down to managing and preserving and, and legacy, right? That those are the things that are very necessary, especially when you get there, if you really want to manage your own money and rather have somebody else do it, those are the things you need to do. So definitely.
1: Absolutely. And and you even hear, as one kind of additional comment here, I think uh, prior to this journey, I didn't really understand this construct of, uh, for example, a family office, mm, right? Yeah. Um, family office for folks that might not have heard that before, it's like oh, you just took two words that mean different things and slammed them together, so it doesn't mean much, right? But it mm-hmm. means something very specific. I mean, you're talking about a large, a large amount of wealth, typically managed by one family, and there's a bit of an organization built around that, and it, it's involving you know you've got investment advisory. Law, like legal, you know, tax—you've got compliance, you've got all these different aspects of a family office, and I bring it up not to put people to sleep because they want to watch paint dry with me. Um, it's it's more so because it is easier now, in twenty twenty two, for people who have fought these battles and worked their to, if they've gotten their wealth to the point where they can start paying specialists like this and hiring a team you can diy build your own yeah and that's really a wonderful step to be at so the first big thought about what is enough for people that we've been wrestling with and talking about with other folks that have climbed this wealth journey first go fill your cup figure out your purpose because all the other tech technical stuff won't be mat won't matter won't won't be worth Mm -hmm. a damn unless you've solved that first and then go and Figure out what you got to figure out, get educated, connect, like interact with uh, advisors of all facets of the family office world or other tax legal advisory and start assembling your team that is there to make sure you are protecting and structuring things for your, your future and your legacy. And, Hmm. um, it's, it's, uh, it is dry, but I used to think taxes were dry. Even when I worked at Intuit for five years, first big company of my career, Donald, as a side note. I mm-hmm. thought it was so boring. And I was literally working at the place that processes a third of the country's tax returns every year. And so it, it, now I think it's actually kind of fun. It, but yeah, people- That's like what I was say gonna wow. say,
0: it's, it's fun <laughs> stuff for me. Yeah, very fun. But yeah, I think so the average boring. person, and I used to think, oh, that's so boring, but yeah, it's so fun to even able to mitigate those taxes and put that money elsewhere and make it grow, right? I mean, it's just, it's amazing.
1: That's right. I mean, it's, it's similar as, uh, you know, the ratio that uh, it blew my mind first time I heard this. It was like a dollar saved is a dollar 30 earned at least. Yeah. You know, and it was like, wait a sec. I blew my mind.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I think folks would really behoove themselves to to drill in on that tax picture for sure.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Amit. Good stuff. Good stuff, Spencer. So let's jump, let's jump into the lightning round real quick before I let you hop off. I know you're a busy guy. So just some soft ones here. What, what book or books have greatly influenced your life?
1: Yeah, man. Well, I got to say, um, I'll double down first on Essentialism, I think, the, by Greg McCune. The audiobook quality is great, by the way. Sometimes a, a bad narrator can ruin a, a great book, audiobook-wise. <laughs> um, that book is a great one, though, on audio, too. Essentialism teaches you how to say no multiple ways, especially if you're socially uh, a little bit more awkward. Um, Next in line, if you haven't done Rich Dad, Board Dad, you gotta just do it to at least understand the basic concepts. We just gave it to a friend. I will also throw one shout out for uh, The Miracle Morning. Uh, Love The Miracle Morning. I think that as a guy who put that 4 to 6 a.m. process in place, You don't Mm -hmm. have to be an entrepreneur to benefit from this. They just give you a even an an acronym um, with a series of habits you can build over time, one at a time, to fundamentally change how much you can do in a day and get Mm -hmm. you in the right headspace. First, it's uh, by Hal Elrod, I think H A L E L R O D, Miracle Morning. Um, Last but not least, The Millionaire Next Door, and kind of in the same era category in my mind as. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, and mm. that just teaches you this idea of the millionaires are not the people with the Beamer down the street, the millionaires are the people driving the Camry. And that is all around you. And it's not gonna yes. be the, the people, the people who are truly wealthy are gonna be the people who are not wearing fancy clothes. Um, mm. you know, it's, it's, it, And that it, they introduced these concepts around that, that really, really opened my eyes to you know, sleeper wealth and slow wealth. And I'd rather have that assurance of wealth building 10 years from now than a potential get rich quick scheme in six months, any day of the week. So um, that was more context than you probably wanted on that one. But I, I think that uh, uh-huh. that's
0: really helpful construct. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And Spencer, how has a uh, failure or perceived failure actually Allows you a greater success later.
1: Oh my goodness, it's the bedrock, man. <laughs> a big believer in failing forward. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I look at the hardest jobs that I learned the most from, it has always come down to signing up for something I am not ready for and mm-hmm. just doing my absolute best to rise to the occasion, take the hits, and show up and own the outcome regardless of whether I was ready or not you know and the 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 key thing there too is like reflection and like looking back and realizing this is what was learned this is why it happened and this is what I'm going to do carrying it forward Uh, I can't help but answer that with also mentioning risk I think that risk is a very misunderstood concept and people just think risk equal bad Every day we to step out the front door, we're literally taking a risk, yeah. you know? You, like the lightning could strike us, you know, we'd like you get in the car, you maybe unfortunately get in a car crash, like risk is everywhere. It's in the financial world of an investment, but the biggest risk, what I truly view as a risk now, more than anything, and I encourage people who particularly the most conservative risk adverse people is that your biggest risk when it comes to your wealth is not investing because you're afraid of failing and like got to get out there and start so failure is absolutely pivotal
0: yeah it's the biggest gift right that's what the lessons are learned yeah and and i like what you said about taking those opportunities even when you're not ready right continually staying uncomfortable yeah
1: outside the comfort zone
0: yeah for sure all right sweet sweet so if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it what would it say
1: I've never gotten that question. Um, That's a really good question, Donald. Um, Be curious. You know, I think that, I think, you know, I was not that curious in hindsight. I look look at my younger self, I reflect on my younger self, and I wish I had been more curious. And Mm -hmm. Now I'm quite curious, but but I, ha- I really had to nurture that feeling. I had to nurture that interest. And uh, it's something that you see it in people who are thriving. You see, I, I remember working in startups, early stage startups, surrounded by brilliant people, so much higher horsepower than me at the time. And they were so curious. They wanted to know why things happen, how things work. Hmm. When, like who was involved and why did they choose to be? And I was sitting there going, why how did they even think to ask that question it was because they're curious hmm. you know and as you and i talked on this conversation right, right right now donald like connecting with other humans is at the root is, is curiosity you know and um you know I, I came in i was like i was so curious i was like man donald is like a successful guy and he's able to, to travel readily he's like building business he's he's got like i'm just curious i'm like wow i, I don't know if i could go and do a show from Japan and and go back and forth between the States. Curiosity is at the root of so much wonderful stuff, but you got to get there first and just don't take the world as it is, you know, go ask questions.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, and last one before I let you hop off, goes kind of deep. So what important truth do very few people agree with you on? Oh,
1: wow. Oh, I, I when you ask a heavy question, unfortunately, I always go I, I go straight to coming back with a heavy answer. So I'm gonna I, I don't wanna freak people out. Um but I'll do it just because it's how I actually see things.
0: Yeah. Um, please, please do, it. please. I
1: don't know if this is gonna I'm gonna get in trouble for it. Um I think death is our friend. And I think death is our friend because we are more we are mortal and anyone thinks that their next day is guaranteed is wrong. And uh If you're breathing in the morning, it's going to be a good day. Uh, and and so the faster people can reconcile that notion that when we talk about the fact we only have a finite number of years on the earth, um, the better, the sweeter life becomes even on the days that suck. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, I, I derive that from, you know, I have like my brother's name, you know, here. So, so it's, so it's all very present. And it doesn't turn into like i'm not wearing all black it's not like a goth thing it's it's, it's just be at be at peace with that and, and, yeah. and it makes you cher- cherish what you have and who you have in your life
0: okay excellent excellent love it all right spencer so um before we hop off if anybody wants to get in touch with you collaborate with you um, what what's the best way for them to reach out or find you online
1: yeah and thank you donald i mean this is Ben, it's such an incredible quite like set of questions and conversation with you, you know, and not just your own insights you shared, but just the quality of, of questioning that we went down is so interesting to me personally, in addition to hopefully the, your audience gets some out of it. So um, you can reach me in a couple of ways. Primarily, we have a website, uh, it's madisoninvesting.com. Uh, okay. And also folks can feel free to email me if they'd like. It's uh, spencer at madisoninvesting.com. For our investing group, uh, I am registered with uh, FINRA, and most people like that. That means that I have to follow the rules I signed up for voluntarily um, and that, and folks can reach out if they are accredited investors. Um, and we're happy to have them join the group. All I, all I ask is people are friendly, normal human beings.
0: That's all I ask. <laughs> 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 all right, so yeah, we'll run all of those across the screen for you as well. But yeah, I mean, Spencer, likewise, I've really enjoyed the conversation very enlightening i'm sure the listeners got a ton of value out of it so thanks so much for joining us today
1: yeah the feelings are very mutual donald so thank you and thank you for waking up so darn early on the other side of the world today it's a wonderful use of our time thank you
0: oh no worries do hope to have you back again soon looking forward to it all right thank you talk to you again soon spencer take care there you have it guys another episode of dealmaker diaries in the books If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing please do leave us a nice review it goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction for you investors if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work head on over to our website g1cgrp.com and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves